0: hi this is sarah Lewandowski with advantages magazine and welcome to our latest podcast i'm joined today by paul chrismer an expert in positive psychology he's also a public speaker certified executive coach and the chief happiness officer at happiness experts in victoria british columbia Paul is featured in our March cover story on happiness in the workplace, which discusses how to be a happier employee and how that positivity spreads to colleagues and clients and in turn creates a more pleasant and productive environment for everyone. So, Paul, thanks so much for being with us today.
1: Oh, it's a total pleasure, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's define some terms first. Could you give us a brief overview of positive psychology?
1: Positive psychology is an offshoot of mainstream psychological research that Occurred in the late 1990s, and it was really because the field of psychology was so focused on negative pathology, on the things that don't go well. And the observation was that essentially, for every 17 studies that are done on pathology, only one is done on what the opposite end of the spectrum is, which is when people are flourishing and genuinely happy and they've got a real high sense of well being. And so the positive psychology movement basically said it's not good enough for us as a field, as an industry set of experts, to simply try to get people to no longer be pathologically depressed or no longer to be pathologically anxious. And they said, instead, why aren't we striving to get people in really high states of well-being where their lives are fulfilling and rich? And so that's the expertise is applied in positive psychology to that positive end of the spectrum.
0: And now what is happiness, scientifically speaking, and how are we doing in general as far as our collective happiness levels in Western society?
1: Well, defining happiness is a fun thing, and um, there's much debate about it. The most frequent definition used by the researchers is um, happiness is simply a person's subjective sense of well-being, so basically just how I tell you I feel. And I don't personally find that definition very helpful. Uh, Another researcher who's received a lot of um, warm reception to a different definition is uh, Barbara Fredrickson. And she basically says, happiness is any one of an array of uh, these beautiful emotions. And she basically lists ten emotions. I'm not sure I'll get all of them right here, but it's um, joy and gratitude and hope and serenity, amusement, curiosity, um, pride that sense of awe we have when we see something beautiful or hear beautiful music. And then uh, her tenth one is love, which is really the way she defines that as any combination of the previous emotions. And I really like that definition because it's very practical for people to go, oh, yeah, I I know when I feel those different things, curiosity, pride, hope. And and it may be that some people have more um, capacity to feel certain ones of those emotions than certain others. So in our society, we often emphasize this uh, need that we should all be happy, and we might perceive it as this grin from ear to ear and skipping through the the buttercups in a beautiful meadow on a sunny day. And if we're not feeling that kind of happiness, we might think, well, then I'm not happy. And and of course, the opposite is potentially true. If you were to watch me reading a book on my couch, I may look really passive and not at all happy, but because I tend to be a very curious person and have great access to the positive emotion called interest, I may be in one of my happier states just sitting there contentedly reading my book. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, definitely. and And do you think, though, that a lot of people in our society though still have that um, that kind of uh, that false notion of happiness as being always you know grinning from ear to ear, skipping through the buttercups?
1: Well, I think because happiness is in vogue right now, it's almost fad-like that there's lots written about it and magazines, front covers like your own are coming out with an article about happiness. But yours is really responsible because I think we define happiness there. and it, it, If um, if people see it as one kind of thing that's ear-to-ear grim and are not experiencing it, it's like so many other things in our society we are being told well, we're not enough. <laughs> well, I don't want people to think that they're not enough happy If, in fact, you're having better access to some of these other types of emotions like pride and hope and interest and serenity and all these other kinds of flavors of happiness that may not look like the skipping buttercup ear to ear grin.
0: So then what psychological shifts have to take place for us to be happier? I mean, are there daily habits people can adopt to improve their happiness?
1: Absolutely. Um... There's some really simple ones, and ones that you'll feel like um, everybody's been told this before, but the practice of gratitude is, in fact, well demonstrated to make people happier. And there's a a particular intervention that's being well-studied where they simply ask um, subjects to list every day three things that went well. So every single day, you look to your past 24 hours, and you just write down three things that went well. And... The science behind this is interesting. It's not just that people stop and reflect and that makes them feel happier, although that is true. But what's more important is that people are kind of searching their memory and looking around in their lives for things to add to this list. And what it's doing is it's causing us to become more perceptive for the good things in life. Because we come naturally hardwired to look very well for what's not working in our lives. It's called the negativity bias. And it's where... We have a high sensitivity and a great deal of learning that comes from things that make us feel emotionally bad, but we can actually train our brains to look for things that are good, and this actually becomes a a neurophysiological change in our brains, where we become wired <laughs> to experience more happiness, because we're simply more capable of noticing things that are going well in our environment.
0: And you know, and we need that. Yeah. Uh,
1: let me just say one more thing, Sarah, because sure. we talked about this last time you and I were on the phone, is that our society is generally becoming less happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over the last six or seven decades where we've been recording the general well-being of our population in the United States in particular, every decade that goes by, society is a little bit less happy. And so there's a profound need for us to get good information out there for people to learn some of the ways that they can actually be happier. And so I'm so glad to share this with you today.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you had said a few minutes ago, and I think it relates to what you just said, too, you know, about how we still have um, this this kind of psychological complication where we don't think we're enough. And I think that, um, you know, social media has a lot to do with that. And one of the things we had talked about was striking that perfect balance between personal and professional lives and people feeling guilty when, especially when they they feel like they work too much and they're missing out on a lot of, you know, personal excitement or time spent with family and friends. What would you say to those people who are just perpetually preoccupied with striking that perfect balance between, you know, personal and work lives?
1: I would say this. Uh, the perfect work-life balance is a myth. Mm-hmm. I, I've never met anyone in the past. Um, and you could imagine that somebody who's in their retirement years, and you'd say, well, there is no work. They only have a life balance. And they can still be unhappy. And You can take children who don't really have work, and they have nothing but the joy of life, and they might be unhappy. And in our adult years, in particular, our work is often one of the most satisfying uh, places in our lives. In fact, lots of different research shows that if you hook a little uh, pager up on somebody's belt and ring it randomly throughout the day, and each time it rings, the person's supposed to record what they're feeling at that time, on average, most Americans feel happier at work than they do in their personal lives. And yet, we often have this opposite perception that um, that work is not what we, where we want to be, and we want to have more time in our personal life. But the reason why I work is so often satisfying—not for everybody, but for many of us—is that there's activities we do at work that kind of put us in a state of flow, where we get in a zone, and we're really feeling productive. We're challenging our skills, and that's a very satisfying place for us to experience happiness. And frankly, if we really got lots of good flow activity in our work. Well, I'd recommend people do a lot of work, mm-hmm. not so much so that they're not physically healthy and that they don't have good social relationships. But if you're really loving your activity at work and you work with great people that you enjoy spending time with, then work a lot. Why not? And, and this idea that you should somehow have some perfect idea, uh, notion of a workplace balance, it, um, it's mythical.
0: And, you know, I think that's really um, a a point of um, positivity and hope for people who feel that pressure to strike that perfect balance and you had um, talked a lot about when we were um, talking for the article you had mentioned a lot about your experience speaking with these corporate teams about how a happier more positive work environment actually boosts productivity so you know as managers um, being the leaders for their employees how does happiness and positivity among those managers in particular spread to employees and then clients make for a more positive work environment for everybody
1: so this we, I'll put it in scientific terms, but every listener will feel familiar with this idea. that something super true about a notion of emotional contagion. That's the idea that the emotion experienced by one person spreads to others. And this is just generally true. If you're in good rapport with a couple other people and you go up and, and sit down with them and they're talking about their happy weekend that they had the, the previous weekend, pretty soon, if you've got good rapport with them, you'll feel the same as they do. Or if they have good rapport with you and you come in and you had a miserable weekend and you sit down and start talking to them, within a couple of minutes, they'll mostly be experiencing your same emotion. What's really interesting is that the more dominant that the emotion is expressed or the more dominant that the person is in terms of social hierarchy, so that captures almost everybody who's in a management position, the more quickly that emotional contagion occurs and the more powerful it is. So if I'm a senior leader and I walk into the room and I kick in a chair and I'm grumpy and I say, hey, we gotta chop again and I'm really kicked out about this, that, of the other thing, very quickly all the people on my team are gonna feel the way I feel. And the psychological research is super clear. If I have you feeling quite negative, your mental capacities diminish, your cognitive ability diminishes, your social relationship skills diminish, uh, your physical health diminishes. And so if I come here all grumpy as the leader in a meeting, and I spread that to my everybody on my team. I not only um, have those people mm, not wanting to work with me, <laughs> to put um, it nicely, yeah. but in addition to that, they are actually less functional, less capable of contributing to the problem solving that I I need from them. Whereas, if I come in and I'm positive and I say something encouraging about the business work that we're doing, and I find things to compliment people on, so long as it's all sincere, because we all have a really good BS detector for insincerity. Mm-hmm. But if it's sincere and we bring a lot of positive emotions to the workplace, leaders can change the workplace very powerfully and very simply. And it's not just being Pollyanna, but it's being conscious of what you bring and demonstrably appreciating and recognizing the people who you work with. and work miracles in the workplace. I've seen it.
0: So when we talk about avoiding employee and customer turnover, customer churn, what makes for truly happy employees and clients when we're talking about their long-term satisfaction, how this positivity can contribute to that?
1: Well, so long as you're not in a business that's very transactional, where um, if someone's just coming and they it's a very simple transaction, they'll pay the a little bit of money, and then they're going to take their product and go away and may not think about you or see you again for a long time, um, then just be really good at giving that product with some politeness at the time for the right price. But if the product or the service has any level of complexity where the consumer has to go through a sales process to learn about the product and then have to get in a bit of a nuanced conversation with the company about the product and service that they're buying, then it really comes down to the social relationship because we are wired as kind of a tribal animal. And if we don't feel that the social relationship that we're in with a, a company um, values us as a person, uh, goes above and beyond to be kind and um, and truthful, sincere. Then the, the quality of the social relationship will diminish, and the customer won't be loyal. And uh, more than almost anything, I teach, uh, which is the least techniquey of the things that I can teach, is that we as humans are hardwired have high-quality social relationships, and when we don't, we have a very negative uh, impression of that social contact, and we also avoid the pain that comes with that social contact. So um, social relationships are the key, and it's the quality of the conversation and the caring that we give to one another that matters.
0: Great. Well, thank you, Paul, for joining us today and for your very valuable insights. Again, that was Paul Krismer of Happiness Experts. To hear more from workplace consultants as well as distributors on this topic, check out the March 2019 issue of Advantages Magazine in print or online at ASICentral.com. Thanks for listening.